Welcome to the Blends, Breaks, and Blends that Shape Our Future podcast. I am your host, Troy Rice. Creativity is often taught as a solo practice, and therefore a person that is good at drawing or music is said to be creative. But creativity for kids as well as adults is not limited to the creative arts. Most things we value in life today did not derive from an original idea, but rather concepts that have been blended, broken, or blended. A result from disciplined focus, connecting big picture insights with rigor and testing and small variations. This podcast is to inspire you to create your future, a future you can be proud to live in. On this podcast, you will learn creative practices, stories from creatives themselves, and creativity and history. Looking to get started with an idea? Visit troyrice.life and join a creativity group sharing your idea for thoughtful and rapid feedback to help you create your future. All right, now go blend, break, and blend our world, your world. Enjoy the show. All right, welcome to the Bends, Breaks, and Blends that Shape Our Future podcast. I am your host, Troy Rice. On today's show, we have creative writing and thought genius, Brian Morgan. Brian is an exceptional writer and highly sought after as a thought leader across multiple industries. Prior to starting his own business, he spent 16 plus years as a managing editor at one of New York City's premier environmental planning and engineering firms. Brian is currently the founder and president of Think Deeply, Write Clearly, a company dedicated to improving clients' written documents while reducing costs and frustrations by introducing repeatable writing principles and processes taught in interactive workshops. I know from experience that Brian and his company will work to change your life, not only personally, but professionally. And I am proud to call Brian a friend. Brian, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for that lovely. I didn't realize you went on my website and you stole all kinds of language. And thank you. <laughs> I, would, I would have sent you something. No, that was fantastic. Thank you. Thank you for that. And 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 Troy rightfully calls us friends. And and it's a it's it's a joy for that friendship and it's a joy to be here. Thank you, Troy. Absolutely. And I, I knew I could have dove into an intro that just talked about our personal journey together, but we'll, yes. we'll keep it professional. So <laughs> exactly. Awesome. Well, Brian, every guest we bring on here, we start off with one question. What does creativity mean to you? So um, in our preamble, you mentioned that, that, that question. And, uh, and I've, it's been on my mind. So, so for, forgive, forgive this somewhat loopy answer. Um, I, am, I am really beginning to see the world as primarily a creative process of which we are a part. And um, I don't know enough about the creation of the universe and all of those sorts of things in order to, to, to back that up with, with more than sort of a rudimentary understanding of, of how we got here. But, but I think I can safely say in a broad, broad, broad term, 13 billion years ago, there was a big bang and a human being comes onto the planet, this planet, with 13 billion years of ignorance. Mm. And then we have to make sense of it. And that is going to be a storytelling, questioning life built primarily in ignorance, not in knowledge. Mm. And ignorance is going to be 
bridged to knowledge or to observation through storytelling, through observation, which are to me very creative endeavors. And, and so I think you could go so far as to say the universe was built to create. We are a part of the universe. We are here to create in it, expand it, contribute to it with our time here, contribute to each other with our time here. You, you could go so far as to say where I'm sitting now today, creativity is the, to, to create is the purpose of life. Mm. And, and, and how we create and the connections that we create infer a lot of things, including our critical thinking, our language, our relationships, our politics, our, and, and, so, and so to me, it's, it's sort of an all-encompassing word, which, which, which might literally be the key to understanding how things work, period. Yes. Yes. And so most of our guests don't go to the universe level. Uh, they're, they're pretty, pretty on the level of what creativity really makes them feel. Right. And I would say like a lot of times it's, you know, creativity is fulfillment. It fills the soul, uh, drives purpose. And uh, you went a little bit deeper, which is, you know, creativity was here and it was our journey to learn how to create within the universe that was here. Uh, and so talk a little bit about where creativity might have started for you. And you can go back to childhood um, or as early as you know, the last five years. But when did you first notice that creativity was going to be a part of your life and you were going to place focus into it? So, so this gets very strange. I, yeah. the, the, the first answer to your question is I loved to draw when I was a kid <clears throat> and, and, you know, I, 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 I sort of made my mark and uh, in high school in theater and uh, started writing plays and then came to New York to be an actor. And so, but what's strange about that, when I, when I look back, because that's, that's like my instinct to go there, but I don't think it's actually true because, because in a lot of ways, when I was a kid, art was actually creative. I'm 47. I find business and writing the way I look at it now to be creative and generative. But there was a whole thing in the middle from, call it, age 15 through 40, where I was doing, quote, creative things, but I don't think I was doing them creatively. Mm. And so and and so and, and so I think I have come to draw a very deep distinction between creation that serves and creation that takes mm -hmm. and i think i've and, and and you could sort of say somebody who's building a brand on their creativity or somebody who is contributing to a society with their creativity at which point we really have to question well what do we mean by creation and creativity because who says running a business is not creative in fact if we're talking about the connections that one makes in, uh, you know, between observations of the world, a business owner has much, much more to consider than say somebody who is a full-time painter. Yes. There, there's many, right, there's many more considerations. There's many more connections between observations 
that yeah. need to be made at a, at a business owner level than say somebody is a full-time painter or an actor. And so, and, and so I think I fell into the trap earlier in my life where, where I looked at creativity, not creatively, and it did not serve me mm. in any way. It was very unsatisfying. And, and when I look at my creative friends, some of whom are very famous, um, I see some of that dissatisfaction in them. And, and, so, and so to me, creativity, moving creativity out of, out of the creative professions and moving it into an idea of making connections between things became much more fulfilling. And I think it's much more aligned with how we're actually built. Yeah. Yeah. So a couple of things there. Um, one, when you said in the beginning, like when you were young, really young, like it, you thought it, you felt like it was drawing and art. And then there was a period there that you went through that didn't feel like you were just going through the movements. And then now you're back into creativity and writing a business. And I was just reflecting for a minute when you're talking. So the other day, like Trevin brought home, like all this creative art and stuff he was doing. And, and I was starting to think like, you know, when you're a kid, you kind of have an idea of who you're serving, right? You're almost like serving your parents. Uh, in most cases, you have something to share and you want to get home. And you're excited to share it. Maybe you want to share it with your teacher. But even at a young age, it almost feels more clear. But then as you get older, like this vagueness comes in and all of a sudden there's distractions in the world and we slowly lose who we're serving. And then ultimately it returns back, like you said, in the form of what you're doing now. Why do you think that happens? Because this is a, probably a majority of people, right? I mean, there are very a fractional percent of people that are business owners and entrepreneurs uh, other than, you know, small side hustles here and there. Why do people get into that place and how could they maybe get into that place, not get into that place um, more sooner to avoid that whole gap of just uncertainty? So I think, so th th I love the question, Troy. Thank you for the question. Um, serving is an interesting word. Okay. Um, our children don't have stakes, at least not economic stakes, yeah. on when they, when they bring home work. And so the first stakes they get are in school where they get graded. Right. So you, you get you get a grade for the work that you do. And so all of a sudden, then this metric gets applied to how you are seeing the world. And so we very, very falsely, I think, start to say that metric. Is is a reflection of my creativity and it's not mm. it, it's it's a reflection of a project but not my creativity period. And so we fairly often in, in business now, people say, well, no, but I don't wanna be a, I, I, I don't have deep enough thoughts that anybody would want to sort of publish my thoughts or hire me because of my thoughts. And I say, well, not today, <laughs> right? Like, like we, don't, we, don't, we don't have you at the level of what your instincts are yet. But that doesn't mean that you don't have those thoughts. You, you almost certainly have those thoughts because you're brilliant. We're just not practiced at labeling those thoughts. And so what happens when you're five 
is that somebody who's got a lot of practice, let's say art or music or whatever, they get a lot of accolade, they get a lot of feedback from the world that they're good, and so they do it more. And right, and and so, but but the instinct to draw might be just as strong or stronger in somebody who doesn't have as much practice. And so we start to get feedback from the world. And then we start to do this very awful thing where we say the feedback from the world is the real world and my internal drive to create is not real or or I shouldn't have it or it's wrong or we do some sort of judgmental thing because our parents said, man, that's a crap photograph or I didn't get it or I don't like your poem or whatever. And yeah. and your parents said it and then our teachers said it and then the the college administrators say it. And 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 we and we sort of get put in this place of if I'm not practiced at languaging or drawing or whatever my instincts or or what is driving me creatively, then I should not do it. And so what we end up doing is 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 hiring a bunch of people, and this is across all professions. Um, you know, actors and musicians and everything else who are polished and practiced, but they aren't the only creative people in the world. Mm -hmm. And we very, very falsely, in fact, if you want my opinion, I, have, I went to two different MFA programs. I've never said this out loud. Here you go. Um, I went to two different MFA programs. I wouldn't consider the people who are who graduated from those programs, some of whom are well known, many of whom have novel have novels, many of whom have published in the New Yorker, to be all that creative thinkers. Mm. I don't find them that interesting. Yes. I, I don't find them that interesting. I don't like like I have their books. I love them. I hug them when I see them, you know, at holidays and stuff, right? Like, like I, I don't read the books, like right, but but I have them. Like, here's 15 bucks. I'm glad you got it published. It's not a particularly interesting book. Yeah. It's not a particularly interesting insight, but they're polished and they're practiced. And so and, and so we have this and, and you see that in The New York Times and you see that on CNN and you see that on Fox News and you see where you're seeing but you're seeing somebody's polish and practice, not the connections that they're making, which are particularly deep. And so and so what ends up happening in the world, I find, and this is this is something that we tend to help people with but somebody's then 45 or 50 or 55 years old and and they're like i'm sick of everybody else having brand power and creative power and i know i haven't sitting at the side of the room for 20 years and i know my thoughts are better i know my like my instincts are better than the people who are in the middle of the room but they're more practiced at being in the middle of the room. they're more practiced at speaking things they're more practiced at labeling things they're more practiced they have they're better at the jargon they're better at they're they're, they're more polished but I've got, but I've got better insights, and and that person becomes, and there's actually sort of historical evidence to this. That person becomes extraordinarily powerful historically over time. That's Frank McCourt writing his first book at fifty, right? That's like that's, and and over time you see those are the people with staying power. Those are the people with, but but there is this moment where we have to say i'm going to embrace despite not being practiced the practice of creativity and 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 so to me it sort of moves in two different spaces one of them we practiced early because of feedback and the other one is we wait too long but it's actually extraordinarily satisfying and powerful to to be the person who waits and then gets it into the world at that time because you've got a ton of observations to add to your creativity how are you hearing that 
Yes. So beautiful. And I know you and I have talked at length about validation and different, um, you know, school tactics and programs as far as how the school systems are run. Um, I'm curious. So how do you break the bound, the barrier for that? And so like, personally, I know that I, I stumbled across you and an amazing uh, friendship and, and the work that you even helped me do with my life uh, personally, but how does one break the barrier of potentially 15 to 20 years of building this wall uh, in front of what they could create or what they could do? Um, and they just never take one step forward. Do you have some insight that could lead them down a path to break mm -hmm. that barrier? Just one step? Mm -hmm. um, here, let's do a little something here for, for your listeners. What are you thinking about right now? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Just, I mean, um, it, it could be, it could be my neighbor is uh, mowing the lawn too late at night and it's disturbing dinner, right? It's fine. Um, and then I guarantee that there is some identity, expectation, ego, assumption in that. And so, and so the question then becomes, why is that bothering me? Why, why am I bothered by that? And when we get there, we open up a point between what everybody wants to write, which is their access point to a problem, right? And they say, my neighbor is a bad neighbor. They mow the lawn too late, right? And I'm just going to write and complain. It's like a letter to the editor, right? And so my LinkedIn posts or my whatever, like letters to the editors complaining about things, um, right? And and, and so that's my access point. But the minute we say, why am I bothering that? We actually end up into human reflection. And I say, I've been wondering about whether I even have the right to be annoyed at my, <laughs> at my neighbor. And, and, so, and so what we're doing is opening up now a space for reflection. So the school system taught us a lot of good things. They taught us grammar. They taught us, you know, the mental pyramid structure of, but, but what it essentially taught us was that data provides an answer to the question. I've come to doubt that entirely. I think that's complete nonsense, that data does not provide the answer to the question. Assessment of data provides the answer to the question. And so, and so the minute we say, if assessment of data provides an answer to a question, then I've got to open up a space in my writing or my thinking to assess, which means I have to get into a reflective place. I have to wonder why. And then I have to reflect on that. And, and all of a sudden, then you move it from my access point to the problem to the structure of the problem itself. You see this in my undergraduates. I teach in a couple of universities. You see that in my undergraduates where they say, um, capitalism is bad. And I said, why? And they say, because there are poor people. And, oh, I'm sorry. Let me let me just pause that. Sarah's Sarah's doing the thing. Let me. Will you cut this out? You're fine. Keep going. Yeah. Are you sure? Can you hear it? Okay. I'm so sorry. Uh, so, it sounds like my wife loses her hand in that like Vitamix thing every time. <laughs> she okay. So, okay. So 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 we write about our access points to things. We write about our access points to things. We don't write about the structure of the things. Capitalism is bad because there are poor people. Well, how does capitalism work? And what is it that isn't working? Is it, 
Is it the structure of money? Is it a poor implementation of the structure of money? Is it a poor understanding or a poor education about this? Like, like where is it? Data that says there are poor people and a conclusion that says capitalism doesn't work doesn't doesn't make sense without a without assessment in there. And so then we have to actually start staring at the structures of things and making assessments about why they are built the way they are built. Neighbors mowing the lawn at 5 p.m. And whether or not we and whether or not those structures make sense or don't make sense or what we can do to it or how we can handle it or et cetera. But, but we're going to get out of our access point. We're going to start getting into structure. And I think that's fundamentally misunderstood. And so I would suggest to anybody, think about the access point and then start asking why. And that's going to get you into a powerful space. Yes. Yes. And so uh, even just this morning on the way to school, so Kellen, our nine-year-old, um, we were talking about uh, some things that he should be more curious about. I guess I would frame it that way is because he has a tendency to be an automatic no person, which is like somebody says something and he automatically has an objection to it, um, you know. And so the way that I explained it is that Kellen tends to live in his own bubble. Uh, and he was like, what are you talking about? And I said, well, well, buddy, you everybody kind of forms a little bubble around themselves, right? And by bubble, I mean a perspective of the yeah. world that they have. And until they break through that bubble and see other perspectives, well, that's when they really start to learn uh, about why things happen, why people do the things that they do, and to be able to ask a question first, instead of responding with your own personal opinion. <laughs> and so I think you were kind of going to that place there, uh, which is like over some period of time, we kind of developed like this opinionated ego driven um mindset of the world and until we break that and reflect on it a little bit better then we really can't move into any path path of creativity am i touching on that correctly i think i think you've nailed it and i would add to that ego gets a bad rap but ego is extraordinarily useful. Yeah. <laughs> that, like, like, and be, because we, if we think about how it works, right, that you're, you're five years old and you say, mom, tell me something that's true. And mom says, eat your vegetables because they're good for you. Well, <laughs> yeah, you haven't done a study. Like you, you don't have enough data to make your own assessments. Like you got to believe mom, right? And so then, and so then you go to school and some, kid who grows up in a different family says oh you don't vegetables are bad for you and 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 you don't need to eat them and 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 so and so there's this ego thing and it's like well if i challenge this i've got to challenge my whole relationship with my mom and trust and my whole worldview so i'm going to punch you in the nose right no vegetables are good right i'm gonna like i'm i'm worried that's and, and so ego does a very good thing for us it keeps us alive for the first whatever, 20 years of our lives until we can start making our own assessments. The problem is we don't realize that that's what's happened. And, and so then we, and so then we say, this is what I've always believed. This must be true. And it's like, well, this is what you needed to do to get to 20, but now question everything right now, now question everything. And that's going to get you into this creative space. And when, when you talked about accelerating people um, into a more creative space, I would say that, there's a moment at which you have to believe these things because it's life or death. But once you're beyond that, start questioning and, yes. and it's going to open up creativity. Awesome. Awesome, man. All right. So 
practices. One yeah. thing that we try to offer our listeners is whether they're already a creative business owner, entrepreneur, uh, whatever it looks like, inventor, or they're just getting started and they have done or they feel like they are not creating anything in the world today. What practices does Brian do to kind of keep him in a creative mindset on a daily, weekly basis? And then two, when you're not feeling in that space, how do you mentally bring yourself back to the creativity mind? Awesome. Um, we'll take one and two together. Yeah. Um, I write every day. A lot of it's for clients, but not a lot of it's for me too. Um, and the real trick is the access point to the writing. The access point to the writing is going to uh, deliver higher quality writing depending on the access point. And so, and so anybody can drop out 200 or 500 words a day. The, the real trick is what's the quality of the insight delivered in those two to 500 words. And so the trick becomes how do, how do you get to your deeper insights quickly? And so what I propose to your readers is that what's on display is not what you know, it's your assessments of what you know. And so therefore we need a place to draw assessment out for people who are not yet very practiced at this, the easiest way to do that. I've been thinking about, I've been reflecting on, or I remember. That's going to, that's going to immediately get you where you, where, where, where you're in. Right. And so, and so if you're going to write about the neighbor bothering you, start with, I've been reflecting on, because that it's going to be very hard to draw what you were first going to draw there from, I've been reflecting on. Right. And so it's going to move you into a space of assessment. So that's number, that's number one. And number two, for slightly more advanced people, I don't know if you, if this is just audio or, or not, but this was a book you recommended to me and yep. we have now hundreds of them. Um, but, but what we do when I read a book like this, and you'll see this is true, right? So I underline it like crazy. And for all, for anyone who grew up like I did, and they said, like, your parents were like, don't ruin books. Books are like sacred. Don't, don't draw on books. No, it's your book. You own the book. Underline <laughs> it, highlight it. It's your book. So, okay. So anyone needs to know that. So, so, and then what I would do if I was ever stuck is, read something and we'll do this right now yeah without a contract you'll eat only if you are promising to go to the gym tomorrow who are you negotiating with aren't both part aren't both parties negotiating you okay this is from david eagleman's incognito okay so so what immediately pops up is there are multiple people or multiple ways of assessing the world in the brain so now, so that's been just reminded to me. I'm now, I now deeply understand that after reading something that I underlined at two o'clock in the morning, six months ago, I now have been reminded of that. And I'm like, when I think about, as I reflect on my neighbor mowing the lawn at 5 p.m., I'm thinking about the fact that Eagleman said there were more multiple people in the brain. And one of the people in my brain is saying X. And another person in my brain is saying, why? <laughs> and, and, and I realize that the brain is operating like a democracy. Mm -hmm. and, and as the brain is automated, right? Now I'm into a really deep thought piece. Where did we get the access to that assessment? 
what are we reading? What are we underlining? And, and how, how deeply can we get to that assessment quickly? So those two things I've been reflecting on, I've been thinking about, I've been wondering about, I remember, or grab something that's going to get you into a deep assessment place and start applying it around the world, apply it to politics, apply it to business, apply it to et cetera. Yes. Beautiful, man. Yeah. So in case the listeners didn't hear, that was David uh, Eagleman, Incognito. He's written a few books, um, mostly rooted in neuroscience, but uh, excellent books, really thought-provoking books. Um, it's even, you know, forced me to kind of think about what you're saying there, even with the, the lawnmower uh, guy on the lawnmower, is that our brain, you know, naturally goes towards sight, feel, touch to kind of build these, what, what they call reference frames or cortical columns of information and memory to picture our world, like a per- perspectives of our world. And so to hear a lawnmower from your apartment or to walk out and see a person on the lawnmower with a giant smile on his face or whatever would change your perspective just slightly. And so it really depends on um, how you're, you're formulating uh, those thought processes. So beautiful, man. Yes. What, what we've, and, and all this writing, and this is, this is now, now everybody's just getting an insight into what our conversations are, but, <laughs> um, but, uh, but, but what all of the reading and, and writing that, that you and I both do establishes for me is that we very, very falsely think that there is a reality and there is one, there is a reality, but I don't understand it. And I, I suspect you don't understand it. And most of the listeners don't understand it. Um, and so, and so the question becomes not, is there a reality? Let me dictate reality. Nobody should be doing their lawn at 5 p.m. It's rude. Let me dictate reality to let me understand reality or let me make connections to reality or let me at least make connections to my assessment of reality so I can check and double check, recognizing that my knowledge is wrapped in ignorance. And how, how do I reconstruct the world on a daily minute by minute basis recognizing that my knowledge is wrapped in ignorance. Um, And the minute we have that, it sounds scary, but it's the most powerful thing in the world because number one, it's true. And number two, from there, we lose all of the stuff that gets in the way of creativity. And now we can build whatever we need to do in order to improve the world together. Those are gonna be businesses, those are gonna be whatever, that that we, we we can start from a very, confident space of I've thought it all through and this right here I'm comfortable acting on versus the kid punching the other kid about vegetables when they're seven I'm I don't have enough information or enough assessment to act from here so I'm going to lash out I'm going to be ecosystem I'm going to cling I'm going to etc etc so so it's, it's a very sort of powerful transition exactly what you're speaking about right here excellent excellent man so before we wrap up here, I want to give you a chance to talk a little bit about um, Think Deeply, Right Clearly, so that we can share uh, with our listeners, like, what do you do to help them, how they can access uh, what you provide, if they're curious about digging deeper into writing, or even just getting started, like, put some words on a paper and just get going, journaling, whatever that looks like, but share just a little bit about what you do, uh, and then we will share that information on the podcast notes. I appreciate that. Thank you. So we, uh, we have two main parts of our business. One is corporate training. Uh, we, we go into corporations and we help them 
with their reporting and, and essentially the language of their reporting because information is only going to move one way. And what we find is that people, in essence, are told in a business, if this is true and this is true and this is true, then pass them, or this is true and this is true and this is true, then don't pass them. And that's an insurance uh, that, that's in the insurance industry or in the financial industry or anything else. And, and what you start to realize is people are inferring critical thinking without teaching critical thinking. So we go into the corporation and we help draw some connections there for people um, and, and it makes the reporting better. So, so that's A. And then B, the fastest growing part of our business is working with people on their writing, their blog writing, their LinkedIn writing, their, et cetera. And that happened because we were successful using thought leadership practices on LinkedIn specifically mm-hmm. very quickly. And people started to say, how did you do that? And it's very simple because information only moves one way and we understand it, we can teach it. And so we're applying that now really to writers across the board. And then something strange happened after that. So that's that's people who are say business owners and they want to monetize. We have a, a, a very, I think, good proof of concept it's 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 been proven at this point structure that works for people and then we have a new thing which i'm actually and and maybe this is of of appeal there are enough people that have been calling and simply saying these are the best conversations i have in my life just period Mm -hmm. i'm not even that interested in writing I just want the conversation i I, I want to look at a new york times article and talk to you about it Right. And so and so and so it really just becomes like. a And so and so we're starting what we're calling the think club. And it's just like a low entry. Yep. Let's discuss writing. Let's discuss the structure of things. Let's discuss thinking. Let's discuss connections. Let's discuss. And that's a pretty low entry thing. So yeah. um, but but anyone who wants to be in touch with me, it's B Morgan at think deeply, write clearly dot com. That's that's my my email and dub 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 thinkdeeplywriteclearly.com is, and then we can, we can sort of decide where, where you would most, you know, want to grow with us from, from a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And what, I mean, what we didn't dig into throughout these conversations is habits, right? Uh, But if we, you've gotten to this place where those thought conversations, like those rich conversations have not been a part of your life for a long time. Well, you've built a habit of, of kind of, you know, casting that out. Uh, and then one of our guests one time came on and talked about how society can make you feel jaded, like in your perspectives on how you feel and how you think. And so I think a think group sounds amazing. <laughs> and congratulations to you guys. Thanks. Yeah, it's, it's fun. It's fun. We should, we should have you on and presenting in that, in that think group. I would love to, man. I'd love to. Well, thank you so much, Brian, for being on the podcast. It's truly been a pleasure of mine. Uh, anytime I can bring on uh, a great guest, great person, but a great friend uh, is always amazing. So thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Well, it's an honor, brother. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for, for this honor. And, and I'm grateful for, for the opportunity and also for the friendship. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, man. And thank you to all our listeners who've listened to the breaks blends uh and breaks blends (laughs) that shape our future podcasts get a little tongue-tied there so thank you and we'll see you next time